clip it on if you wish. Yeah. Um, I came up the other day. It was after Sharda's um, talk. Yes. And she was talking about unwholesome and wholesome um, choices. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it was right after that. I was that I was that I had in mind and no self, and my body just felt like it kind of warped. Warped. Because <laughs> it didn't. I, it didn't jive, or I couldn't. No. Comprehend it. So I, at first I started thinking about it, and of course I knew I wasn't getting anywhere. No. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna kind of hold it and see what happens. And then last night you mentioned choices, and in our small group today, choices came up again. Yes, uh-huh. And so I kind of reflected on it, I guess, or not, mm -hmm. trying not to think about it. And um, what came up was, I guess I could see like intentions rising, thoughts yes. rising, feelings rising. But when it came to like choice, all of a sudden I could see like a why. And then it seemed like there had to be something that took one way or the other. And so I kept, that's kind of where it would stop. And then after just reflecting, it, where it came to is like, I guess, the what first term that came up was free will arose. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so it was free will. And then right after that, um, it was actually from a talk um, in India you gave. And I remember you said, you just, you sat there and you just waved your hand through the air and said, that changes all things for all times. And so free didn't seem like the right word with will and that there was a karmic effect with all that arose. <laughs> well, there's a, a breathtaking uh, spectrum <laughs> here, isn't there? So Un unwholesome, wholesome <laughs> uh, choices, uh, uh, free will and... Uh, Freedom. <laughs> where, where, where are we going so to That's begin? where I am. <laughs> eh? That's where I am right now. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I appreciate uh, your honesty. Um, uh, if we take it, uh, and oh, of course, uh, no self, I remember that got thrown in as well, didn't it? So if we just take it, um, uh, 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 step by step for a moment. Um, I'm not too keen on the language of uh, uh, choices. I um, tend to think of it uh, too much in terms of uh, uh, economic. Shall I buy this or shall I buy that? And uh, ra uh, rather than be too much involved in uh, all of that just for the moment, let's just go, go back to the... Uh, uh, inner life, and one says, there's my inner life going on, and there's wholesome aspects to it, and there's unhealthy or unwholesome. What would you describe in your experience directly? What would be a description of wholesome or healthy uh, actions or activities in your life, and what would you describe as not being that? If you wish. Outward, so outwardly, in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, wholesome would be doing my meditation practice. All right, good, nice. C can you hear uh, uh, that? Uh, you should hear that. Wholesome is doing meditation <laughs> practice. <laughs> Some of you may disagree. <laughs> All right, so wholesome, one aspect is... I agree. Doing, I'm bound to, aren't I? Doing one's meditation practice. Okay, that's a wholesome thing to do. It's for one's welfare, etc., etc. Okay, what's unwholesome? Um, eating to try and solve a problem. Eh? Right, all right, <laughs> exactly. Um, unless one's starving, of course. <laughs> if that's the problem. <laughs> but that sounds like a much joke. Okay. All right, so... Some, sometimes there's an uh, uh, issue or pressure in our, in our life and we're having a job dealing with it. It's common uh, uh, enough and we want to kind of cover it up in a way. These things go on. And sometimes, of course, the, 
the pressure of all of that directs us towards uh, overeating, uh, etc. One sees there's something unwise, unskillful, unhealthy, unwholesome uh, uh, in, in all, all of that. Just t- taking that from meditation as healthy and wholesome, and this is unwholesome. As far as choice goes, is there any real choice in between the wholesome and the unwholesome? What's his sense? Really? Choice. I mean, in the meditation, is in, there in, a choice? I have um, got, just got for the moment the, the, the latter, the unwholesome. Would one really say, um, I'm going to choose uh, at lunch t- time today to make a pig of myself and uh, overeat and make me, make me feel really unhappy and sleepy and tired and bored and I can't meditate? No. Would anybody, would one choose intentionally to do that? Would you do it? Would you? Um, well, what, yeah, I'd say yes, because there's been times <laughs> where I could reach that point and I've made right. one decision or the other. Right. When you get to the point, you can say, okay, there, and there's uh, that pressure on the point at that place, and therefore it drives you in that direction, and therefore it's accumulative eating, 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 a common, very sad, common difficulty we, we know in our culture. When one gets into that, is there any real choice going on? You're eating and eating and eating. Smoking, 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 drinking, 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 or whatever issues that people have around, in this case, one sense door. I see it two ways. One right. is at that very instant, it doesn't seem like there's a choice. No. But at some point, there's—I mean, there's a choice to stop. There's, so it's not like it's an all or nothing. No, no. Right. Except at that very instant, when it happens. Some, so sometimes, see that there's a pressure which goes uh, on in the mind, and I think I was making some reference to this yesterday evening, that. We like to say to ourselves, oh, uh, I, I chose this. This language is constantly being uh, used uh, against people, I would say. And yet, the harsh reality is that the strength of the habit, of the unhealthy, unwholesome tendency, the strength of the conditioning or, or, or whatever, and all the unhappiness, that's the outcome. And, and something which keeps repeating itself again and again. doesn't seem like there's much choice in it, does it? Why would a person want to, to keep saying, I'm going to choose to be depressed, I'm going to choose to be unhappy? I mean, to me, it doesn't... Hard to, hard to think of it in terms of uh, making that kind of choice. What came to mind is that... Uh, Say it was something that um, I liked, that tasted good. All right. So I ignore part of it, the mm-hmm. the unwholesome aspect, and just pay attention to why well, I really like that. So I'm going to have it. All right. So. Uh, so one says, hey, hey, "Remember, I ignore this, whatever it might be. Whatever one's got issues with certain kind of foods, or one knows it's not they're not good for one, all the usual things." And we like to use the language of choice. I don't want to labour the point, but we like to use the language of choice. Yet we find ourselves doing things which we had a little clarity about we wouldn't choose to do. So it seems like choice, in the way that we speak of it, seems to be a rationalisation for lack of clarity. And one wonders, in a lack of clarity, could it be choice? I feel unhappy, I'm going to make the umpteenth pilgrimage to the 
sacred pagoda of the West, the refrigerator, <laughs> and eat and, and eat. And that's what I'm choosing uh, to do. One feels uh, wretched and, um, and one says, I make a choice. I, ch I chose to do this, yet the choice seems to be out of from a lack of clarity. So can a, a genuine choice come in life when we can't see clearly? Dharma teachings have a very strong doubt about it. So, in all of this, to take the next, we say, and look at love, I see, yes, I wish to develop the wholesome. I wish to look at my inner life. I wish to look at what's going on in me. I sometimes see, uh, I appear to have a choice. I could do this or I could do that. And then there is some dilemma. So the dilemma starts to build. And then it builds a little bit more and the dilemma becomes, uh, well, this is a really important issue in my life. And then it begins to build up as we think about it more, mind going to and fro, and then we say, um, I've really got a conflict now. I could do this or I could do that. And then there's increasingly more turmoil going on. And then somebody else suggests yet something else. And then, oh, I could do this, I could do that, or I could do that, or do none of those. And then something happens out of all of that. Would you say all of that movement from a choice, so-called dilemma, conflict, turmoil, and even more so-called choices, would you say that uh, all of that shows um, um, clarity? Even though we're using choices every moment of the way, because we absolutely love the idea we have choices. No. No, no, it's hard to swallow, isn't it? <laughs> so sometimes it seems that internally there's movements going on, hmm? And the movements in the mind from the deeper levels of mind are going backwards and forwards, up and down, sideways, etc. And in the movement, as it were, at the top of the mind, the idea of choice is being produced. And so we're on the receiving end of the movement of the mind. We can't face that, so we call it a choice. And we get caught up in this. What's your sense of self with all of this? Self is the chooser. I choose to do this, or I choose. What's the sense of self in all of this? Sense of I. Cause or effect? Both or neither? What would you say? Cause or effect? I'm not looking for a single answer. Oh. I'm just, you, you, it's not a philosophy, it's uh, tending to experience here. How do you say? I'm not sure what you're asking, I guess. All right. Sometimes there's movements of mind going on inside. Hmm? Strong movements of mind. They send up the ripples. The conscious mind seems to be on the receiving end of the ripples. The ripples say, I choose to do this or I choose to do that. The pressure builds up. Sometimes what we decide is which is the strongest ripple. Which one we have thought about most is the one that gets followed through. Or we get very confused and it paralyzes us and we can't do anything. How would you view that in terms of uh, choice or cause and effect? Not an easy question, so take your time. Well, all the welling up has yes. produced this end result. So it was the interdependence of all those factors. Lovely. All right. Lovely, lovely. So... Dharma teachings questions the idea of the independent, separate authority of the self right? in the form of the chooser. You know, the, the, the self thinks, oh, I am stepping back from all of this, and all this is arising, and then I'll, maybe I'll choose that bit which is arising, or I'll choose that one, or I'll choose that one, and I'll let go of those two. Oh. The arrogance of the, the conceit of the self is just unparalleled on this earth. And so the self thinks it's separate from the events of the mind. And therefore it says, oh, I'm choosing 
Shall I do the wholesome or the unwholesome or two different kinds of wholesome or do different kinds of unwholesome, etc. Self is not separate from the movement, is it? What are you going to do? The movement of self, of I, the unwholesome and the old, un, and the wholesome is all wrapped up together like wood and trees. It's wrapped up together. Now what? Now what? Well, what you, when you were talking before, what came to mind um, was something that I think it was Eugene said that you were talking about the conflict, and he said conflict can't happen in the present. It depends on the past. Who said it? Eugene? Yeah. And Wait till I see Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> it sure feels like it sometimes. That's what it? I heard. Eh? That's what I heard at least. All right. <laughs> Let's see. So, it, Somebody's going to be writing a note to Eugene. All right. So, so let, let us say, there's conflict in the present. Hmm? Whatever. Conflict might, could be, shall I carry on talking with this guy who keeps harassing me with questions, or shall I say thank you and get back to the safety? Or whatever. We could say, there could be a conflict. could be a choice and a conflict there. And, and it could be because of, as Eugene says, some influence on the past. God, I've been up here... 15 minutes already and I'm not enlightened and <laughs> and, uh, and therefore we could say some accumulating in the past and therefore some could be a present conflict could be, so far I hope not but could, could be, so sometimes you say yes there's conflict in the present uh, yes it has its conditions and causes uh, and uh, aspects of it uh, in relationship to the past past and present meeting together uh, etc so what does that tell you self just another phenomenon arising oh you've done too many Buddhist retreats I can tell Alright, so it is, of course it is, it's just the phenomena arising, but, <laughs> and trees are made of wood, yes, and uh, etc. But, in that, why, forget no self, I, I don't remember the Buddha giving any teaching on no, no self, but what, what might be helpful and useful to regard these movements as, not as no self, but as not me, not myself. Could there be, in seeing it as not self, could there be something useful? Here's the states of mind arising. And the states of mind arising with an I in it. uh, I'm uh, engaging in meditation. It's a wholesome, wonderful thing uh, 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 to do. I'm uh, caught up, let us say, in uh, food issues or whatever it might, might be in, and I'm really to do really bring awareness of that. So I see the eyes in, in, a, in the mind state, I see the movements are going on, and there's a strong encouragement from the Dharma to look at this as not-self. Look at this movement, this activity, these unfolding mind states as causes, conditions, uh, factors, as you pointed out, as events arising. What's useful in seeing it as not-self? Not me, not myself, just states of mind arising. What, what's, what, and passing, what's useful or helpful about that? For our what? For our clarity. That everything comes and goes, it's just impermanence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just... But... but See, if I, if I may, may, may say, you sound very much like a Buddhist. And I don't say I'm a Buddhist. Eh? I don't say I'm a Buddhist. No, 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 it's good, we're in the same club. So, look, in the movement of, uh, of there, yes, it arises, yes, it stays for time, yes, it uh, passes, yes, it is phenomena arising or mental phenomena, states of mind arising and coming and going, yes, 
it is helpful and useful to see it more as a process rather than me and myself. Why? Why not just say, this is who I am? I'm, sometimes I'm wholesome and sometimes I'm unwholesome or unhealthy or unskillful. Sometimes I act well and appropriately and, and sometimes I'm, it's a disaster area or whatever. Why not just put ev- I and everything that goes on as just who I am? Why not just do that? Because one leads to pain or suffering and All right. the other leads to happiness. All right, lovely, lovely. The points are very, each one is very, very important. So it seems like that when we're really identified with it all, when we're really convinced that all that's going on with us is, that's me, that's who I, who I am, the more identification with it, the more the pressure and, and the more unhappiness and the more we feel stuck, trapped, helpless, overwhelmed because we're so identified with anything that's going on inwardly or physically or whatever. So the less identification is another way of saying less self, isn't it? Less me, less who I am. What if you follow that through even further? No, no, that's fine, not, not necessary. <laughs> Given um, uh, the uh, flow of things at the moment and just our, uh, our uh, communication uh, there, yeah. how is the sense of clarity um, in terms of uh, the day-to-day here? Clear about one aspect of uh, a duality called the wholesome, clear about another aspect of it called uh, unwholesome, etc. How's, how's the clarity with regard to what's in front of you called varying states of mind? I think it's been pretty clear. Good. I mean, it's been all over the place, but I can watch it. All right, lovely, okay. So sometimes there's enough Clarity, of course, sometimes the eye comes back and says, I can watch it, etc. So, and it goes back and forth. Sometimes it says, I watch it, and sometimes I am it. The eye moves subject to object. So there's a clarity, and the clarity can reveal clearly the state of mind. Wholesome, unwholesome, etc. It can actually attend to the t- state of mind. It can communicate it in, the, in talking about it, as you're doing now. So, there's a, a clarity, at times, which can look at what's going on in the mind. What does that tell you? You can look at the state of mind. You can recognize it. You can talk about it, you can write about it, you can describe it, etc. So you can look at the state of mind and you know that's what it is. And we use language or whatever to communicate it. What does it tell you of that which you can look at? That there's something separate from it. Yeah, not absolutely, but something. Even more dramatically, what does it tell you? Never mind the separation for a moment, but even more significant. That which you can look at, called state of mind, all of its manifestations, pleasant, unpleasant, welcome, unwelcome. What What does it reveal? What's the intrinsic communication in awareness of a state of mind?
don't know. Can you, are you, right now, obviously you can say it. Are you aware of this? Shada says I should ring this rather than this bell because she likes the sound. There's a nice ring to it, isn't it? So right now, you and I, we're aware of that. Right? It's the object of your awareness. Are you that? That metal reverberating, gonging thing. Simple language, are you that? I? Eh? I'm no. Eh? I doesn't seem like a simple language anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Forget the I, forget the I. I want to ask you, are you, are you this? It's the object of your, you're clear about what it is. It's the object of your awareness, are you it? Um, depends how I think about it. I mean, in a world like this where there's different objects, yes, that's a bell and this is the body. And uh, so right. I can name that. Uh-uh. <laughs> that which one observes and is clear about, in this case, the gong bell, one would say, if anybody said, look, that huge monstrous thing there is, 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 is me, we would be ringing out for the white coat. <laughs> After being here, I wouldn't. <laughs> so it's an object in one's awareness, isn't it? One is quite clear about that which I look at is not who I am. It's an object in the awareness. That which I am aware of is not who I am. And I can talk about the bell. It's big, it's brown, it's so why on earth would you want to be convinced that the states of mind, which are an object of your awareness, which you can talk about, is who you are? What's the difference? It's an object of your awareness. That's what the mind is doing every day. Gonging along. You can attend to states of mind, and you can attend to this. So, that which you attend to, called states of mind, is not who you are. Clear, unclear, or utterly confused? Clear. Clear. How clear? Clear in the guts, or uh, a nice reverberating thought, Oh, my states of mind are not who I am. <laughs> you know, so, I mean... Clear, clear, or kind of California? Clear. It's clear. It's clear. All right, it's clear. What's not clear is who I am. <laughs> this, is, this is the gradual path, not the sudden. All right. So, this is, these states of mind which arise, uh, I can attend to, I can work on them, I can explore them, I can develop them, I can reduce the ego and the I and the my out of them, I can change them, I can see changes in them, I can practice and develop what is helpful and learn to see into and get insights and dissolve what is not helpful. I can work on it. I can work on this mind, I can work on this body. It's an object of my awareness. I can work on it. In all of that, there's that awareness which keeps revealing, doesn't it? It, it reveals, and sometimes what it reveals, we see, oh, I need to attend to. Need to reveals the value of meditation, or I attend to the meditation. Reveals the value of just being vigilant with regard to eating, because of the consequences, therefore I attend to. Sometimes, though, as you uh, indicate, sometimes there is awareness, and we don't need to attend to anything going on in the mind and body. Sometimes we're just sitting, we're just walking, and we're not really having to attend to anything in the mind or uh, body. Could that, just to bring closure now, could that be the whisper, the hint of finding out who you really are? Dharma teachings point very clearly to not-self. That means knowing what you are not. What you are not is that. 
what you are not is the state of mind. We're clear about what we are not. Maybe the intimation of what we really are will get revealed. That's why we're here. Clear? To a point, yes. All right. Good enough. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Nice one. Uh, my question is about pain. 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 And we have dealt a lot with it in, in this retreat and mm -hmm. other retreats I've been in as far as sitting when yes. you have pain. The pain I'm talking about is a very dearest friend mm. and she has been in chronic and severe pain for nearly three years now and um, she has remained amazingly open and searching um, she has not ever become depressed or succumbed to heavy drugs or uh, overeating or depression um, but yet it has taken away most of her life she is in bed most of the time in pain and I'm wondering what, what you can say, what, mm. what you offer to a person like this. Um, the, the kind of the pain and the strength of the pain um, uh, uh, keeps her bed-bound. I mean, in other words, situations like this are just out of the question. Yes, absolutely. 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 Mm. She can get up for maybe a couple hours at a time and that takes so much out of her she's back in bed again yeah yeah uh, although uh, she comes here with me in spirit yes uh, uh, I don't th know whether uh, the man or the content of what is said um, matters as much as what the heart and the support and uh, the love communicates that, that that's the the, uh, the key. Sometimes in this such intensely difficult situations, uh, it's extremely difficult, and you will know how difficult it is to find uh, the words uh, there. And and sometimes there is brief, either pauses in the degree of pain or the arresting or the stopping of the pain, sometimes it just stops, I mean, it might be a minute or an hour or whatever, or it, it's a little bit more low-level uh, kind of pain, so the consciousness has a little bit of opportunity to be aware of the experience of non-pain or less pain, just enough to keep the uh, attention and the interest open to something else. Yes, that is true. And therefore, the intensity of the pain isn't an absolute, irreversible, ongoing. It is subject to arise and fall. It is subject to sometimes being all totally consuming. One cannot see anything else in this world but pain. Uh, sometimes there is a fading. And sometimes the pain level is more background, much more low-key, and therefore the consciousness. What is, I think is very important in all of this so many factors um, when seeing the person um, is not to start off with how are you I think it's, I think it's a, a huge error of judgment that we, we constantly make because it once again it puts the person uh, straight back to the pain the very language of how are you when we, and sometimes we do it on the automatic yes there and of course we're going to see someone who's dealing or attending to a great deal of pain. So sometimes one's presence can, in various ways of communication, remind uh, and enable the person to acknowledge life outside of pain. And there is life outside of it. And it can be found. And the good friend who comes will uh, talk about that and communicate that and remind that's just to help to give a little perspective to, to, to the pain uh, itself. 
depends on uh, the person's uh, inner life as, as well. And so for some, uh, much support can come through uh, uh, religious beliefs if a person uh, has them. But if one goes along those lines, because one knows the person, it is important to tread carefully. One wrong sentence could create a confusion for the person. If the person has no uh, religious beliefs and moves more along the uh, lines of uh, awareness and wisdom teachings, um, then that also needs a communication um, along, along, those, along those kind of lines of nature, of organic life, of one day at a time, of uh, non-clinging and seeing this as all as elements and belonging mm. to, the na- to the nature, not there. And just ways which a person may be able to hear to give a little bit more space around the pain and reduce some of the identification. And that means the person's got to be interested in that, has the motivation and tension to talk or listen to that and quietly develop the, the skills to communicate uh, that as, uh, as well. Sometimes, however, either from a religious standpoint or from wisdom teaching sta- uh, standpoint, uh, may not be appropriate uh, for, for the person. And therefore, as I said, the actual communication about things of life are unimportant. Contact friends, um, um, newspapers, uh, events, uh, etc. Those things genuinely can keep uh, alivening the uh, the person. And whenever the person expresses appreciation for anything, one must follow up on that appreciation very, very quickly. And following up in acknowledging the appreciation and giving credit to the person to express appreciation, uh, which um, uh, enables them for that to come through despite the pain. The very kind words that you said about the person not not complaining and and medication and uh, all of that to remind the person that uh, she is an inspiration for yourself, that inspiration you um, are passing on to others and gives them strength as well. And of course, happening in the hall right now. All of that will help to give some sense and some meaning to the pain. That it actually, in a very direct way, uh, is giving support to others and reminding uh, others of that dealing with pain is the biggest challenge any human being can ever face. That is really true, because I, I have told her many times she is the most gracious receiver and that is such a gift for me and everyone yeah. who sees that yeah. in here. The other thing is she is open, she is opening spiritually and awareness. The one thing that is starting to take her out of pain temporarily, very mm. temporarily, is Kabat-Zinn's tapes. Oh, John's um, tapes. Yes, yeah. which she's had for a couple of months now and uses Thank religiously. You. Does she? Uh-huh. Yeah, excellent. Um, uh, I, and John's a, a dear friend of mine, a uh, uh, very good good friend. My, my daughter, his daughter, have the same name, that close to friendship. He's done plenty of retreats with me in the early days, etc., etc. Very good friends, and I just absolutely recommend John's uh, teachings, his, his tapes. They have been, in the real meaning of the word, a lifesaver for people. Yes, I think that's and true. And that really has helped to keep people uh, steady in the face of the most dramatic and traumatic uh, situ- situations. And if she's uh, listening uh, to John's uh, tapes and that's giving her support, it's just just wonderful. And that's exactly what he does. He's a teacher of the, of the means to end pain or to accommodate pain so that we can see outside of its field. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's a yeah, wonderful sign and signal from her, in fact, which is receptive to that. Very good. And, and, and you, in, in the face of all this, a friend that you know and you love, passing and going through 
all of this uh, you staying steady with it as well sometimes the friends sometimes can have as hard a harder time in the feeling life than the person who's in pain so how are you staying with all of this how long has it been going on for? what's the history um, of the pain now it's been over two and a half years uh, it's severe back pain and she's had two surgeries um, but she has been almost bedridden for two and a half years yes with yeah. the pain yeah, yeah. Um, she was such a steady companion for so many years and with a loss of that it's difficult um, yes. she still is a steady companion she is slightly different form yes more horizontal uh, now I, I <laughs> <laughs> nothing it doesn't change anything about the steadiness nor the companionship no that's true it's just, just a different a, environment that's so instead it. of on the hiking trail I'm sitting on her husband's bed talking to her that's yes. so right. what's the difference yes yeah. um, so it's it's painful to see, um, but yet, as I say, the gift she's given me through it mm. to show how you survive, um, how you go on, how you grow through something like this have been tremendous. And what all of her friends try to give back feels so inadequate in the face of her pain. That yes, yes, yes. And, and, uh, and again, not to be co too concerned about feeling inadequate, you know, that, that, that's um, um, un understandable. And as I'm sure she is, and sometimes it just needs to be checked as well that when you express your uh, appreciation and for the support that she is giving you, yes. the support that yes. she is giving you, that it goes two, two ways, that when you express your appreciation, just check with her, uh, with her eyes especially, or her voice, that she's hearing it. Sometimes people the thought arises, oh, they're just saying that, they want yeah. me to feel better or whatever. And sometimes one may have to check and say, you really hear what I say, don't you? Know? How much I appreciate, etc. So to do it, but not obviously, everything requiring a middle ground, not to overdo it, because it, then it loses its uh, authority in a, in, in a way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. been um, sitting in my seat listening and um, mm -hmm. last night I was listening in the at your Dharma talk and um, you're quite engaging quite engaging mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. that's the problem go on it's too engaging for me too um, engaging and what I mean by that is um, when I came here I came on Sunday this is the first retreat that I've done yes. mm -hmm. um, and uh, I adjusted and Start to be, started to come a little calm in my meditation. Yes. And then all of a sudden, there was the inquiry yesterday. Yeah. And you talked about all, all sorts of things, uh, mm. ideas, things. Mm -hmm. And um, right at that point, my mind just went crazy in the sense that things were bouncing around in yes. reference to the things that we talked about. All right. And so uh, I noticed that. Welcome. <laughs> and, um, and so I think I, I would maybe label that as attachment to the intellect, maybe. Mm -hmm, whatever. And uh, it reminded me of uh, when I realized I was coming here, I started to read um, Jack Cornfield's book, which he's Vipassana. I figured this was Vipassana. I wanted to know a little bit about it before yeah. I came. And um, in the beginning, he talked about how in the beginning of his practice, yeah. um, maybe for the first 10 years or something, he uh, practiced only through his head or through his intellect, in that he felt like he was maybe not on the wrong track, but that that was what was fueling his practice, the strength of his intellect. Is that right? That's what I, th I think. I'm anyway, I identified with that because um, I... I've, got a, I, I've known Jack for 30 years. I have definitely a different memory. But carry on. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> Who am I to? Um, so I guess... We were both in the shaven head club. <laughs> Jack um, was so thin that we thought that there was a coat hanger under his robe and nothing else. <laughs> but anyway, don't let me disturb you. Carry on. <laughs> um, for me, I think that um, that is uh, this identification with um, intellect. Yeah. This mm. um, has always been 
a big thing for me. And I didn't even realize it, of course, until maybe a few years ago that that's pretty much powers my, my existence up until now. Oh, and yeah, I right. wanted to know if there's anything you had to say about how I could continue in my, <laughs> in my meditation um, to address that. Um, sit with Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, uh, with regard to the, the, the Dharma and the teachings and the practices and the disciplines of, of, of them, uh, there are quite a body of different teachers who, who are around. And in uh, that, th- th- obviously there's no authority in life like one's own experience. So since you mentioned Jack, to open it out a little bit to further, further there, some of the uh, teachers um, put a, a strong and wise and skillful emphasis um, very much um, on, the, on the silence and on um, they have one-to-one meetings. They don't do small groups. They don't do inquiry. Uh, there would be the evening talk. There would be the morning instructions uh, there. And do not, um, I think it's fair to say, allow... Um, anything, any reference to anything outside the formal meditation method, technique, and the strictness of of, of that, and they're quite uh, strict uh, uh, about that. And some find that very, very helpful, very, very uh, important and uh, useful there. So that definitely is one uh, possibil- possibility. Um, at the moment, you would be disqualified from sitting with Jack because he's giving a men's retreat and. Uh, don't think you deceive them. Um, the, uh, but since you are uh, in the uh, here and now situa- situation uh, there, uh, the, uh, as you see and have picked up quite quickly, that the approach that I uh, take is one, yes, of uh, the silence, of course, the disciplines of the silence, the disciplines of the, of the full day from 6 to 10.20 in the evening, and also giving people who wish the opportunity to speak what is of concern for them. So far, I haven't felt what I've listened to, anything which to me is uh, theoretical or, uh, or intellectual. And so far, for myself, my responses uh, as well have been directly to what the person is experiencing in the here and now, and I uh, attend to, to, uh, to that. It is sometimes for people who have set retreats, as well as for a person who is uh, new and first time on, on a retreat, well appreciate how easy it is that issues which get attended to, either small group or here, can uh, set some uh, waves there and bigger vibrations and what one gets out of the, out of the gong. Um, but uh, in that, uh, as in other situations in life, one of the major areas of our life is uh, listening. Great, m- much many ways that we are affected by the circumstances of life actually occurs not always but through our ears, through our ears. So. Despite um, my encouragement and uh, recommendation, of course, in the listening, to uh, just listen, full listening, and therefore see what the responses are that are going on inwardly. So your response that you're having, I pretty well can guarantee and promise that others will be experiencing very, very uh, similar there. Despite what might seem intellectual, despite the use of language, um, etc., that goes on in this hour, hour and a quarter or, or so, could there be anything which is of relevance to your heart? Not, not only, forget your head for a moment, to the heart. Anything? Um, well, last night, Sharda, I think, or yesterday, maybe yeah. Sharda spoke of uh, emotions, was, right. or maybe it was this morning. Yeah. And um, my response from my gut was, oh, that's right, emotions, in the oh. sense that oh, I almost forgot about <laughs> emotions you? because they really play a part in my existence. All right, all right. 
right. So, um, uh, listening to that and feeling life, emotional life, feeling life is an important part uh, uh, of it. Um, Sometimes um, in the evening talks as, as well, sometimes they're very serious, of course, sometimes there's the uh, lacing of the humor with it, and even, even with the humor, so humor, sometimes it is to draw out heart life, feeling life. And, it's, and the humor is a, an important vehicle for that, so that things land hopefully well and clearly uh, in, inside. So one in awareness already standing out, and it's a very important one, because you said it now in different ways, two or three times. You referred to Jack's A Path With Heart, and you might think, my gosh, Christopher's going to be writing a book called A Path With Head. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dharma is using our head and using our heart. They both matter uh, uh, e equally, or as I said to Jack, my next book's going to be called No Path, No Heart. But anyway... <laughs> So that's one area. The uh, sec second area is that you notice uh, in yourself, and very understandable and also very common, and it, one looks at oneself and says, my goodness, how much time I spend in using my mind, you know, or using my thought, or my, my intellect, or my education, or my knowledge, work, etc. And how, therefore, there can be a gap to heart life in various uh, ways, and there's that separation. And then, of course, owing to that tendency, the way that one hears, in this case, myself, in this case, um, tends to go to the same place, i.e. stimulating, thinking about, and therefore generating some confusion. And as I said, others are in a similar uh, 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 position there. So Shada's reminder about the importance of heart seems, obviously, from your response and your smiles as well, uh, quite uh, timely. What way, here, and in a general way, here means the specific, day by day, can you bring in more feeling of heart? Yeah? And secondly, in a more general way, can you redress that, this imbalance that you refer to between head and heart? It's a pity spend too much time in the head, it's at the expense of the heart, and sometimes people who spend too much in their feelings need to use their head a little bit more and get a little bit more clear that way. So, for yourself, what, what, here, what way can you make sure that the feeling life is uh, alive and well, uh, etc.? Um, <coughs> <laughs> One way that I notice is that if I keep, maybe this is right here, this part of my body, it's a particular chakra, heart chakra. I feel as though if I'm meditating, if I breathe in and out of this area, yeah. I feel a lot more warmth and movement in this part of my body. All right, lovely. And that seems to me to kind of be getting to the something that's going in the right direction. Yeah, uh, lovely. So sometimes, um, j just in metaphorical, physical terms, and the feeling of the heart actually is down more in this location, etc. And we, not surprisingly, we use the, the body parts as, as metaphors, head and heart, thinking and, thinking and feeling. I can't help noticing, as you talk and express, seems to be quite a lot of uh, heart running through the cells. You smile a lot, the arms are moving, feel quite <laughs> lively, uh, etc. Look, you're getting more, look at it. <laughs> So it seems like the heart seems to flow quite freely and fluidly at times. <laughs> um, I guess maybe I'm just so used to thinking about things through my head that I don't take notice. No, right, all right. Okay. So there may be more heartfulness than what you actually recognize and are aware of and appreciate. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's a little bit easier if um, uh, someone is communicating with you. You know, and there's a dynamic, there's an energy and a vitality and the heart can vibrate a little bit more. But what about um, all the other 22 hours of the day when uh, you're not on the throne and you're standing and walking? You can just slip back or 
kind of get lost up there in the attic again, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. So, what will keep, despite lack of impact, through the communication, uh, feeling life grounded, well, alive, and you're really feeling the hour, feeling you're sitting, feeling the life, and it's really a real feeling experience. So, say mindfulness, mindfulness means heartfulness. So you have heartful sittings, heartful walking, heartful standing, heartful eating, heartful indoors, heartful outdoors, and that's really the priority. What's going to help nourish that and make that really a happening event for you? Well, I was hoping that if I stayed in the moment that it would just arise. <laughs> because Very optimistic. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd hope that a lot of things arose, but <laughs> I was hoping that the things that I needed to see would arise. And then All right. <laughs> staying in the moment is a, a factor, but sometimes <laughs> there is a staying in the moment, and, but unfortunately the moment can be a bit too heady. <laughs> So, staying in the moment with heartfulness. Staying in the moment is key, of course. The more we think, the more we move, as you know. So, anything else? Just to, that feeling life is actually in the moment. You, actually, you feel the moment. Not think about it, or about other situations. Um, I don't know, that's my question. One thing that I can say, though, is um, that I have taken up yoga. Have you? Nice to one. kind of drop everything down into my body. Right. And but so, maybe I would do a little bit of yoga, have a little bit more sense of my body, but I guess that's not what you mean. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's another area. So we, in, and so, sometimes there's the head thought in thinking about. Then sometimes we go to the body, which is wonderful. And to exercise... Uh, the body to do the asanas, to do the yoga in the body, and of course feel free to, to do that. But we're not concerned with the head, we're not concerned with the body, you look well and you do your yoga, great. The heart. I have loads of ideas, but I'd rather hear, I'd rather hear them from you. I know, well, it's obviously a blind spot for me. It is, you, I think you're right. <laughs> That's why I came up here. Yes. <laughs> Good, nice one. All right. So I'll just take uh, uh, a, few, a few things. Um, one is a uh, very important feature yeah, is appreciation. Is appreciation. So appreciation generates a feeling. And obviously tons of things to appreciate around here. Appreciate the fact that you're committed to the week. Uh, appreciate uh, the presence and the support of others. Appreciate the beauty of the nature. Appreciate insects that you see or whatever it might be appreciate the wonder of life, appreciate the kindnesses, the generosity, the dedication of the teachers and the staff, all sorts of things to appreciate. So that when appreciation comes and sometimes naturally stop everything else and just feel that appreciation. Don't analyze it, don't have views and opinions about it, just feel the appreciation which is there. Uh, at other times when you come into the uh, uh, meditation hall, that what helps with the feeling life there is to come in very, uh, as a kind of uh, respectful way of being. Very, as though you're quite, uh, whatever, transparent and one is just, just gently walking uh, on this earth, just feeling the life, as though you, like the, the, the previous person, as though you've been in pain and in bed for one or two years and this is the first day that you've had an opportunity to walk and to sit there. You wouldn't be you know, thinking about all these ideas that go around the meditation hall or whatever, and uh, just be that acknowledgement and, 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 and gladness, and, and, and just feeling that you could just walk on this earth and sit on this earth. And so sometimes just saying, is this as though this was my last day? And therefore the, 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 the feeling there. When you're in a small uh, uh, group, and others are sharing their experiences, and sometimes very, very difficult experiences, and um, sometimes we do not know the story of the person who's sitting near to us, and we hear something in the small group, and it really touches us, and what some people are willing to deal with in day-to-day -day life. And so, again, one just listens to that, and just feels what you feel, 
That's just to feel there. And while you listen, you're just feeling and connecting with that person's uh, ex- experience there. Listen to one of us and there's some humor in the talk. When you laugh, enjoy it. Laugh. So it's all heart life is then a flame. When something serious is there, keeping the attention wide open and receptive and feeling really interested and receptive. If something insightful and useful is said, then it will uh, go to a deeper place inside. If it just goes to our head, we then just start filtering it out too quickly. And if something is useful, it will stay. If it's not useful, it will just pass straight through, no problem. So put together the heartfulness, the appreciation, the uh, listening to others or in the evening talk, uh, uh, respectfulness in the movement uh, there all of that will keep you much more grounded and then in in the heartfulness and and then there will be a harmony of a head and heart thank you thank you thank you very much Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.